Buongiorno a tutti ragazzi, un saluto di Inter Worldwide, wherever you are and whatever time it is in the world, it's time for another podcast, I'm not 100% sure what episode this is, somewhere into the 60s. I've got three guests on standby today, I'll introduce two of the regular suspects first of all, all the way from the sunny Gregory Hills, Bruno Altamore, come stai? Bene, bene, it could be better, but following the last result, let's, uh, let's look forward. Let us always look forward. And just a little bit further away, just a tiny bit, um, all the way in San Francisco is our friend Alessandro. How are you, brother? Uh, all good. All good. Derby uh, aside, everything's fine. Thank you. Yeah, I purposely recorded, wanted to do this podcast a good day to slash day and a half after because I knew you boys would be okay and you know pod ready then um we've got our first time a debut as well it's our guy mo mo who's just made an appearance on the inter worldwide channel doing some fan cams and he has so generously put his hand up to appear on the podcast mo all the way from houston texas thank you for joining us on inter worldwide my brother uh thank you guys for having me how's everyone doing i hope you're having a wonderful day whatever you are Cool, absolutely. Mo, keep your microphone on. Uh, we'll give you a little bit of a minute. Can you please tell everybody um, listening how you became an Inter fan and you know where you're from and your bit of a background in the world? I became an Inter fan in uh, about 97, 98 uh, when I watched uh, Jorkaev and Ronaldo play for Inter. This is where I started loving Inter. Uh, after that, it has been just uh, Inter. Every day, Inter. We live for Inter. We die for Inter. And that uh, has been the journey for me. Uh, try to follow everything and <clears throat> try to be uh, sometimes subjective, even though we love Inter and we know Inter is crazy. And <laughs> here we are. Absolutely, man. That's it, bro. It's awesome to have you on, so thank you. We're going to try and fit in a lot of content into our usual duration of time of around about that 30 to 40 minutes, so we're trying not to go too long. Let's start with the 2-1 Derby defeat, which I mentioned in my, not initial post-match reaction, my more calm and collected final word that, you know, this isn't the be-all and end-all of results. I think what I'm going to say, I'm going to keep it brief for me. Making that Europa League final and not winning it, just getting that small taste of what success feels like. I think every Inter fan was really clutching on us coming out this season and being a powerhouse. But in a weekend where Real Madrid and Barcelona lost in Spain, in a weekend where Chelsea conceded three straight goals, in a weekend where Spurs conceded three in the final eight minutes, in a weekend where you to Crotone and Lazio got pumped three zip by Sampdoria, the context of this football season really has to be taken into account. Now, you could make the argument and the excuse that that applies to each and every team. But this inter-team looks a little bit burnt out to me. So I really hope that with the hectic schedule coming up that the boys can get it together. I've spoken a fair bit about the derby and the match itself, so it's time for the boys to voice their opinions. Going to Bruno first, man. Tell us what you thought of the derby overall. Any good players? Any really bad ones? Yes, you're talking to me. Um, That's it. I, I wasn't sure if I was off mute or not. But yeah, look, I think uh, I, I, I look at it like this. Um, you know, I don't take the Lazio fixture into any consideration, especially with the injuries they're suffering. They are so depleted at the moment. You know, I see a lot of people complaining. Inter's got a couple of, um, not injuries, but players out due to COVID. Um, you look at their squad, they were completely depleted. But you know what, as an Inter fan, I don't personally, I don't like to look at how everyone else is doing. I only focus on how we're doing. And yeah, you know, it was a pretty uh, upside down flipped week um, across all of Europe. But you know what, it's 2020. And I've learned this year, you've got to expect anything. But well, looking at the Inter Milan game, we just, it was, it was very unfortunate, the result. I'm not going to say Milan were lucky because they played just as well as what we did. Um, but, you know, it was a very unfortunate result. And you can go all the way back to the initial penalty for Zlatan. Handanovic saved it. And it just landed back at the feet of Zlatan. You know, he saves it and it goes out. It's a completely different ball game. But overall, I feel the team, the team played well. Um, and they just didn't take the chances that were put to them. Um, Having, you know, our defenders and 
Um, our midfield hampered so bad due to COVID. Um, I'm not going to lie. I did miss Gagliardini, to be honest. It was just, I, I feel he, he, he could have added a specific element. But even the suspension to Stefano Sensi, um, overall, I don't agree with Conte and his tactics yet again. Um, you know, we played our hearts out, but again, he just waits so long to do anything change something and we're talking about you know and Inter fans around the world all I've seen look at our squad depth look at our squad depth means absolutely nothing when we're not utilizing our players um to bring on some form of an effect on the match like I saw as soon as Ericsson came on we had a couple of really clear-cut chances but it's just I feel Conti is a man of habit and he doesn't change for no one and that's going to be his undoing at this club. I personally think we'll be lucky to see him after Christmas if these results continue and if um, we're knocked out as a Champions League. Because all can be forgiven if we get through to the next round of the Champions League. But, um, you know what? I'm sick of excuses. You've been given exactly what you've wanted. And you've been given what you've wanted. You've asked. You've received. You know, we, 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 we stood back and we didn't go with Kumbula. We didn't go and we went with Kolarov. And look how that's gone for us. We didn't go with Tonali, but we went with um, Vidal. And look, Vidal has been great, but he's not here for a long time. So we can all agree on that. I just, I'm very disappointed in Conti's approach. He knows how to talk to the players. He knows how to get them motivated. But I just feel... He's lacking something this season, especially after last year being 2-0 down at half-time in that derby. We came back and we absolutely cleaned them up. Um, but this isn't the same Milan we're seeing as we what we saw last year. We are seeing a completely different animal in Milan and people got to stop underestimating them basing their season off last year um, because they are the real deal. And... You know what? The only positive I take from Inter, this fixture against Milan, is that we were the first team to put a goal past them. Simple as that. Other than that, we wow. did not like, know how to capitalise. And Mate. we didn't get a single point. Yes, we might have deserved one point, but at the end of the day, did we deserve three points against Fiorentina? I don't think so. We got lucky. And you know what? There's times where you deserve it and you don't get it. And there's times where you don't deserve it and you get it. So I'm not basing it off that, but I am one of the most unbiased Inter supporters you'll see. And I call a spade a spade. And you know what? Conti's really got to change something up. And with our um, with Zhang as our president and uh, Zhang as our owner and Beppe and Zanetti, I know that them, I've got complete faith in them, and they're going to make a decision yep. real quick, especially after the bullshit Conte caused at the end of last season. Um, I think, yeah, he's got to sort something out real quick. And you know what? Maybe it's the Derby loss talking to me, but you know what? You've got to start to, be, you've got to, start to call a spade a spade, and he's got to do something. Now, let's say we come out and we qualify second or first in the group for the Champions League. All right. All right. I'll take that. But I'm not going to miss out on Champions League next season to get knocked out against PSG in the round of 16. And then we go on an amazing winning form because guess what? It doesn't work like that. We've got a good enough team to compete in every competition without an excuse. But yeah, that's Very well said, bro. Very well said, bro. Honestly, man, I'm glad you said it because for once, I'm glad I'm not the most pessimistic person on this channel. I don't I really mean, think I need to add to that. You're, you're, you're voicing really... what, you, what you're doing. You're being a little bit pessimistic, but what you are doing accurately is you are voicing the concerns at the forefront of every single Inter fan. The more press conferences this guy does, the more agitated he looks, the more distressed he looks. If history does repeat itself, he does look like a ticking time bomb. I'm still looking to have a little bit more faith, but because trust me, if there's anybody who's in your corner on this opinion, you already know it's me. Let's let Alessandro give his opinion. Are you this reactory as Bruno or Alessandro? Are you still looking at this in a positive light, bro? <laughs> I think I'm 
uh, after right after the derby, I was very pissed and very in line with Bruno. But uh, after one day and uh, after rewatching some of uh, our problem, I think um, if Conte has all the players um, and it just has um, is able to to adjust a couple of things, I think we are the best team in this specific Serie A. And I, and I, I don't want to talk about the derby itself too much, but more about the problems that uh, I noticed in this game and the previous, uh, which are specifically two. Um, the first one is, of course, on the left. Um, if you have Bastoni there or if you have Young, you notice it left, less. But uh, I think... This year we're gonna have Perisic playing there most of the time, unless we buy somebody else during the the winter transfer window. Um, so having Perisic there, he needs to do something very different from what he was doing at Bayern and what he's doing in his national team, where he's basically playing up up top the whole time. Uh, he needs to come back and balance. Hakimi, because Hakimi is just a play, is a phenomenal player. It's just another level, and uh, if we can use Hakimi more, that means that somebody on this side needs to stay back, and that's Perisic. So either you change the player, or you change the the mentality of Perisic, because if we have both up, then something like the second goal is going to happen more and more and more. And we saw that against Fiorentina. We saw that that at the derby. And if something doesn't change, we're going to see it over and over. I think the derby was uh, something that Pioli won. It's not Ibrahimovic. It's not nobody else. That was Pioli's victory. And he started very well. Where was the... um, Where to attack us. And uh, that was where the the first goal um, came from. Uh, and then the second, pretty much the same, because uh, it happened on the Ambrosio side. But, um, I mean, Colorado was not marking Ibrahimovic on this side, and Perisic was nowhere to be seen, and the ball was lost on that side. So, anyway, the second big problem that we have, and Conte needs to figure this out pretty soon, uh, is in the midfield where we have a uh, line of three, uh, but um, it's a triangle with the top up. Um, in in the derby, we had um, Vidal and um, what's his name? Uh, we have Vidal, Varela, Varela in midfield. Yeah, and then uh, who was the third one? I have a blank right now. Brozovic was in the midfield Brozovic. as well. Thank you. Thank you very much. So you have Barella on top and Vidal and Brozovic behind them, which um, can help, but it doesn't really make sense. We should have the same triangle, but with, the, uh, with a bottom player, which is Brozovic. If you don't play Brozovic there, Brozovic is useless. And once the, the midfielder of the other team uh, is able to skip Brozovic or, or Vidal, then all the three players, they like to run in front. Bruno was saying, I miss Gallardini. Gallardini is one player that prefers to stay back rather than go ahead. And, uh, and that's where he covers that specific area. Uh, in the derby... Um, uh, the Milan midfielder were able to take advantage of that. As soon as they went up 2-0, uh, the midfielder uh, were more focused to help the defense, help contain Lukaku, um, because Rognoli wasn't able, of course, and never will be. Uh, but... Those are the two main problems. If Conte is able to adjust those two things, we're golden. 
Uh, otherwise, he needs to to have all the players in the bench and do something like uh, in the Fiorentina game, change everything and hope that something at the end works out. But um, it's not... Milan got lucky just in the way that the game uh, worked out because if they're not able to score the first goal, that's it. They, I mean, Inter, sorry, Milan played well the first 15 minutes. That's and it, that's yeah. It. They had four Agreed. shot on target, two from the first penalty, the penalty and the rebound, the second goal, and one random shot in the second half. That's it. That was their game. We had so many chances. So if you don't score, if Milo doesn't score the penalty and they have to uh, to do a different kind of game versus this team, even without all the players that suffer for COVID, even without Sensi, even without Sanchez as coming back from an injury, uh, Inter this year is just a different level. And uh, the only team that I see... Um, that can do something is Napoli. And other than that, Juventus, and I said that before, Juventus and Atalanta are going to be in the in the first four. And so Milan, uh, they are first right now, but between the Europa League, Coppa Italia, and Serie A, I don't think they have the depth. And that's the problem that we had years ago when we were starting yeah. very well, and then we were not able to keep up. And so I'm happy for them. Uh, not really, but enjoy <laughs> your moments, but it's not going to last. I'm sorry. Yeah, well said, man. Good counter-argument. I'm not happy for them one bit, to be honest. If anything, I just want them to fail more miserably this season now. But I said after the post-match, um, I did feel like we lost to Milan in the only way that Milan could have beaten us and that was by getting us in the opening 15 to 20 minutes off guard with a high intensity system that they couldn't maintain for the whole match and that's exactly what happened um, Mo who has been patiently waiting in the background my man what was your reaction to the 2-1 derby who stood out for you where does Conte need to improve and change give us your feedback mate I was after the game I was a little bit pissed but then I watched the game again and I was a little bit hopeful because of the amount of chances we created. Even though we were man up against Lazio, we still did not create a lot of chances. While against Milan, we were down and we were pushing hard. With a team that knows how to defend, with Ben Nasser and Kessie in the middle, they know how to defend well. I'm a little bit optimistic because I, I like a coach that can develop a player. I know that everybody... I see all the Inter fans. They don't like Perisic because he doesn't have the defensive abilities. But uh, if if you remember, when Conti went to Chelsea, they, everybody told him, hey, uh, you need to, to play two wing backs. And he said, no, I will have Moses and I will develop this guy. And he was one of the best wing backs in that season in the world. Everybody was talking about Victor Moses, who was before a low knee everywhere. But Perisic is a world-class player. Munich would not have played this guy in a Champions League semi-final if he was not a world-class with players that we know they're the best in the world right now. So I think Conti is patient with Perisic. I'm going to follow with Alessandro said something very critical here. Is when you have two wing backs, both of them are attacking, you'll need to adjust the rest of the teams around them. Which what happened in Chelsea again when he played Conti and uh, uh, what's his name? The the guy that plays for Manchester United now. Matic in the middle. Both of them are very defensive. I think, in my opinion, if you're going to play the two wing backs up, you'll need to play good defensive midfielders. And I see Barella is one of the best midfielders right now, box to box in the world. The guy can run for 180 minutes. Just play him what he likes to play. I think he likes to play... In that channel, just run up and down, and Vidal has the experience, and play a number 10. I know everybody wants Ericsson, Ericsson to play there. I'm not convinced that Ericsson is suitable for the, for the for a team that has an average of 60 to 65 uh, of the ball, because Ericsson is a little bit slow, and the Italian league does not have a lot of space for this guy to move around. This is the difference. 
when we saw Sensi in the previous games, when he came in, he made the difference. Sensi is a little bit faster. He's more suitable for the Italian league. I'm convinced that Sensi might solve the number 10 problem for Conte. And the defensive side, if if you if you read what Conte said, Conte said that he wanted Kolarov to play from the back. But that, in my opinion, cannot happen when your team cannot come back quickly enough to cover the two players that are very slow, Kolarov and D'Ambrosio. We know Rafael Liao wiped the floor with D'Ambrosio in this game. He outran him every time he got the ball. Kolarov is slow. We know that, right? But D'Ambrosio, I expected a little bit better from him. But also, he didn't have any help. One-on-one, -on -one against one of the fastest players in the league, is very hard, especially with no support. Because I did not understand Conti in this game having uh, De Vrij on Ibrahimovic, man-to-man, when De Vrij is supposed to be your sweeper that's supposed to cover D'Ambrosio when Rafael Liao dribbles him or the other side uh, when Selfmaker dribbles Kolarov. But that didn't happen. So Conte needs to figure out some stuff in the back. And I think, and I agree with the guys, if Bastoni and Skriniar played this game, we would not have conceded these two goals. And I think most Inter fans, they, play, they blame COVID for this. They say, oh, COVID, we lost the game to COVID. Yeah, I, I think that's what happened. On the, on the attacking side, and then I will give you like something that I thought I saw in every game. I think... On the attacking side, we are one injury away from a crisis. We depend so much on Lukaku's physicality to turn. Every time we, we are struggling, we play the ball long to Lukaku, and we assume that Lukaku, every time he's going to turn, right? And he does it. The guy is brilliant. And again, thanks to Conte, who developed a guy who came to enter, with his confidence on the ground, he didn't play in Manchester United, and he made him one that everybody talk about. Everybody talk about Lukaku everywhere. Go to any newspaper now; they talk about Lukaku. He's one of the best strikers in the world. Conte developed this guy. Conte developed his confidence. He built his confidence back. But the way we play depends so much on Lukaku's physicality that is it's, it's scary for a season that is that long. As you said, we have too many fixtures. They come back to back. There is no stopping like the seasons before. We are a month less this season. And with the Euros coming, we need to find another plan to attack other than just play the ball off Lukaku. Lautaro is, is a brilliant player, but he needs more time. I think Lukaku has more experience. Like you can, I think Inter fans will, will feel more comfortable if Lukaku played to, next to Alexis than if Alexis only played next to, uh, to Lautaro and with no Lukaku on the team. I think we'll struggle a little bit. As for the season to come, I'm hopeful. If we have positive cases, I'm hopeful that Conti will pick the right 11 for the important games, and we have enough depth to rotate. Uh, the right side, we don't have another attacking uh, right wing back, but I think D'Ambrosio, when he plays on that side, he's, he's not bad. I, I trust Danilo. Danilo is, is a reliable player. Every time he plays, he's good. But this game was different for, for Danilo because of the, the speed of Rafael Liao and the way they play the three behind Ibrahimovic. It's just, it was just strange for Inter that somebody came and tried to press Inter. The only team, I think the couple of teams only tried to press Inter last season, they were Atalanta and uh, Juve. These are the only teams. Everybody else just sat back and waited for us. But Milan did not. In the first 20 minutes, they tried to get the ball from our half. And we struggled big time. This is why our position went down. Uh, I'm very hopeful for this season. I, I think this season we will be challenging. And I also like something about Inter in the this year and last year. A couple of seasons ago, even with Spalletti the season before uh, Conte, Inter was not a first-class team. When we go play Real Madrid this year, they're going to be scared. They're going to think Zidane yeah. is going is to think about what is Conte going to do to me? What is his plan? When we were before, and then I think every Inter fan needs to be thankful for this. Before, everybody would think about that. When we go play the big teams in Europe, even though we are a big team, we are one of the biggest teams in Europe, but we were not that big. People would think 
that we will react to their plans. But nowadays, I believe that if we play any team in the world, they will have a lecture before the game about how to counterattack Conti's plan. How do we play the anti-Conti uh, uh, game? And instead of, let's play our game and Inter will adapt to us. And that's, that's what makes you a big team. Everybody's scared of you. Borussia Mönchengladbach, I'm sure that they are scared. They want to find a way to beat us. And this is what makes me hopeful. This is what makes me... It, it, it doesn't matter if Conti gets Vidal, who is 40 years old and, and gets Kolarov. It, <laughs> yes, it doesn't matter. But he makes this team big. He makes this team very big. And that's that's what I'm taking. Very hard to argue. Keep going, brother. Uh, it, and that's, I think, I think in Inter fans need to look at the history. This guy, Conti, played a very good Euro in 2016 with Eder and Pele as forwards. Come on, guys. Come <laughs> on. It's, 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 it's laughable that we think that Conti cannot manage these guys. What I think, this is something that I, th I did not read anywhere. And, and I, I tried to read a lot of news and I tried to, to listen to pundits and, and everywhere. Nobody, everybody thinks that Conti is, is very like uh, stubborn about the plan. And I think we think that too. But if you go back again, half the games in the Premier League winning season for Conti, he played 3-4-3 three, three with two wingers. And I think that this is the reason Perisic is an inter player. Push comes to shove and we get an injury, God forbid. I think he will play 3-4-3 three, three straight with two wingers and one forward. We will put Hakim on a wing, Perisic on a wing, and then we'll play four in the middle. We'll play Young and we'll play D'Ambrosio, which is what he did. He played Hazard, Pedro, William and Hazard with Costa in the middle, up front. We might do that, but we have amazing two forwards. And this is why he is sticking to the plan. When you have two gyms, you don't sit one on the bench. You play both. You adapt to both. And this is what he's doing. But I'm thinking that sometime this season... He's going to switch to the 3-4-3, and every Inter fan will be surprised. Oh, we thought Conti is stubborn. No, we just, we just have two gyms, and we can't put one on the bench. This is what I think is going to happen this season. Nice one, man. A couple of things. I agreed with most of what you said. I think it's a very long season, and we're about to prove that in the, in the, short, in the short future, not the long future, just how many games there are. Um, in, you know, I think he... The, the more that I think about it, the more I think, you know, that is that is a good plan, having Perisic as a backup on that um that left-hand side in a 3-4-3. But, you know, Bruno, what do you think about it? I've just got, and I agree exactly with what Mo said. And I, when Conti came, I praised him. I praised him at the end of last season. He did wonders for Inter. We were up there. But I just feel, yes, Long term, I agree with you, Mo. He's going to change something and he's not going to be so stubborn. But I just feel he reacts to games far too late. Way too late. And, and that's what the issue is now. The, 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 the current reaction. Now, you, you went into halftime down 2-1 against your cross-city rivals. Now, imagine that stadium was filled with 60-odd thousand fans. Right, you you're down two one, and you wait until what the seventieth, seventy fifth minute to, to 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 try and change substance because you 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 still think what happened in the first half, you know you you're gonna that plan's still gonna work, and I just think that's what needs to happen now. If he can't learn to do that and make a change in the sixtieth, sixty fifth minute, okay, you're down, you've given it fifteen minutes, 20 minutes, it's still not working, change it. Because by the time you bring on a player like Ericsson, Alexis, um, Brozovic, or whoever's not playing that specific game, they're not, they're not going to be able to run onto the field and have that instant effect. They've got, they got to warm up. They've got to find their groove. They've got to meet their, their counterpart, their opposite on the field. And I just feel Conti needs to learn to do that. He needs to react a lot quicker um, but tactical wise, yeah, you're spot on, mate. You're spot on, and I cannot agree with you, you know, any more than I cannot add any extra value to what you've said. I just feel his reactions at the moment 
are currently too delayed. Yeah, we might have had some players out due to COVID, but Alexis was there. Ericsson was there. He just didn't take it when it was there for him. What do you think, Mo? Yeah. I want to add a couple of points. I think we need to remember that Conte is a new coach in the world. He's, he's, he doesn't have Mourinho's experience. Mourinho has been coaching since 2000. The other people has been coaching. Um, I think he might learn. He might he might be able to learn this. Uh, he's, Conte, historically speaking, I looked at the numbers. He did not have good comebacks. When he's down, he's down. The team is down. He mm. can't change. It's Historically, I looked at the numbers. Uh the, the, the other thing that we I, I I I missed something in this derby. We had a lot of minutes, and the legs played during international break. It's ridiculous what happened to our players. Some players played two games in three days, and then they come back, and then he's asking Ashraf Hakimi, Morocco, in two friendlies played the guy ninety minutes and seventy five minutes. Two friendlies. Someone should pick up the phone like what Mourinho does for Tottenham. He, he picks up the phone, calls Southgate and say, hey, I need Harry Kane fresh for my next game. If he's not important to you, don't play him. Someone need to pick up the phone and say, hey, Hakimi, these are two friendlies. Alexis, you don't have to run him down to the ground. Also, this, this is a big factor. Our management, and this, by the way, is not Conti's fault. This is management. People need to call the, 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 the national coaches and say, hey, you can't run my player down in friendlies. These people, they will get injured, and they have games, and this is this is their living, the clubs. Well, look, man, I wish someone would give Roberto Mancini, the so-called Interesta, that memo memo about Barella, because goodness me, he's going to play him for ninety minutes and then send him for a training session after every international friendly. The amount of game time he gets for Mancini, but very well said, boys. Very happy to entertain um, this discussion on the Inter Worldwide podcast. Let's not spend as much time talking about our next game, which we are recording this um, on a Tuesday afternoon in Sydney, which means it's Monday night everywhere else in the world. Monday, really late night. And there's still about 32 hours, 36 hours before the Champions League games. So um, with that in mind, we take on Borussia Mönchengladbach uh, at home at the San Siro, which is probably really good for us considering our fatigue. We don't need to throw in a travel in there despite how short the journey is to um, Germany. But, you know, I'll, I'll list a few reasons why I think this is going to be a tough fixture. I think that, you know, Gladbach's German spine will do them a little bit of wonders. Their, um, their centre-back, Matthias Ginter, who's at the heart of the defence, is a very, very good player, 26-year-old. They only conceded 40 goals in 34 matches last season, which is actually an astonishing amount. Um, so, you know, good for them. They share the goals around in the team as well. Marcus Turam and um, Alessane Pelea, they scored a lot of goals last season and they'll be no doubt looking to be watched. I'm pretty sure they're both available. They have Switzerland international, Brill and Borlo. If you boys don't know about him, you are missing out. He's fantastic. And that's not only because I signed him on FIFA four years ago in manager mode. He legit is fantastic. Um, I think that we are a little bit nervous as a side, as a team, as a club, as a manager. I think that we will going into this game with a little bit of anxiety, but... I think that's when we perform at our best. We're very much a backs against the wall kind of side. We will welcome back Alessandro Bastoni. I don't think Milan Skriniar will be available simply for the fact that he just had a son today. So he might be skipping out on the next fixture. If that makes him available for Genoa, all the better. I don't mind. But in terms of other players who are available, Raja Nangolan should be back and Roberto Gagliardini should be back. Don't quote me on the last one. It could just be Nangolan. In terms of Ashley Young, I'm not 100% sure if he's still available. I really hope he is because his experience and pedigree is very much needed in matches like this. I personally hope that Alexis Sanchez sees minutes. I really want to see him score and start getting into the groove. How we approach this match, in my opinion, should be a rotational scale of who didn't have minutes for the Milan Derby whilst keeping your essentials of Stefan de Vrijs and Mirhan Danovic, Nicolo Barella and Romelu Lukaku and Akraf Hakimi. The rest are interchangeable for me. From Perisic to Brozovic, even to Vidal. I would start Vidal, but he's slightly interchangeable. 
I believe Stefano Sensi is available for this match because he's on the sidelines for suspension in Serie A for his non-existent slap. Um, I'll cross over to Alessandro first to talk about Mucin Gladbach. We also, it's also important to remember, we own Valentino Lazzaro, who will be playing for them, but not on the pitch. He'll be on the sideline. He has missed every single fixture this season. Um, that's pretty much it from me. In terms of Mucin Gladbach, they sit 11th in the Bundesliga, four games played, one win, two draws, and one loss. They don't look too crash hot, but German sides are no easy beat. Alessandro, off you go. Sure. Um, as you were saying, Bastoni is back for sure. Saints is back um, for sure. I'm not so confident about the Ingolan, Skriniar, and Gagliardini. I didn't see anywhere any negative tests in news or anything like that. So uh, at the moment, none of them. Nangolan posted, posted on his Instagram story that he was negative. I'm not too sure if that means he can play against um, Mucin Gladbach, but yeah, he posted that on his story. I, I think they need two negative now with the new regulation. But I don't know if it's just for Serie A or if it was UEFA as well. But uh, I hope he's back anyway. Uh, I don't know if he was mm. able to train during this, uh, this time. So that's another question mark. But uh, it's good to have somebody else on the bench anyway. Um, the only thing I want to say, uh, I think this is going to be a game very similar to the derby. Um, first of all, for the formation, uh, they're going to play a similar formation um, with four in the back, and then uh, Zacharia basically will take the um, role of Cassie, playing pretty much the same, and uh, they're going to have play in uh, as a main uh, focus in attack, and uh, Turam and um, and Embolo or Herman playing uh, on the other side. Uh, the only thing that is slightly different, um, I I never saw them playing this season. To be honest, but last season there were moments where they were sw switching formation, going back to a four-four-two or a four-two-two-two. And when they were doing this uh, kind of movement on the field, they were not so fluent and there was a little bit of uh, confusion. And that's where we're, um, where basically they were conceding goals. So we, we need to be careful, uh, especially at the beginning. They like to press very uh, high on the field, like Milan did, exactly. And uh, so we need to, to pay attention at the beginning and then um, also attack them when they try to switch formation. And they like to attack more in the center on the field instead of on the side. So um, hopefully Akimi will be crucial in this game. Yeah, well said. Um, a lot of tactical analysis and a lot of team news regarding Much and Gladbach. So, Bruno, I'm going to actually ask you a direct question that I want you to answer for your turn, man. How important, brother, is it to get three points against Much and Gladbach in the first game, considering we've got two fixtures lined up against the likes of Real Madrid? And, you know, let's face it, there's no such thing as an easy fixture in the Champions League. So, Bruno, you know, how badly do we need to win this first game, mate? Look, um, historically, Inter's struggled in their first games in Champions League. Uh, we came back two years ago um, against PSV Eindhoven. I think we drew last year our first game against Slavia Praha. But I just feel this season we have that extra monkey on our shoulder um, in that form of a Europa League loss, the Europa League final loss. And the fact that we haven't exited the group, um, you know, in a very long time. And all of that and the pressure, I think, that Conti will be feeling at this current point in time. Um, because, let's face it, in our last three Champions League campaigns, this, on paper, seems to be the one where we should be qualifying second, at least. Um, but, uh, yeah, if we don't get a win 
in this opening fixture, I can almost, not guarantee, but I can almost say it's going to be a very uphill battle because we will be travelling to the Ukraine next week to face Shatka. Then the week after, we'll be travelling to Spain to face Rao. You know, so it's it's going to be an uphill battle. Now, in saying that, Much and Gladbach are not a walk in the park. Um, nor is Shatka, but we saw what we could have done, what we did against Shatka last season in the semi-final of the Europa. Um, whereas Muchen Gladbach, I feel, are a great team, but they're no Inter. They 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 have a great starting eleven, if you want to put it like that. But that's where it ends. And if you figure them out, you can win this game. And mentality wise. Um, and I said this um, when we did our initial podcast, when we found out the draw. Mentality-wise, we need these three points because then we've got Genoa. And Genoa is no walk in the park either. Then we've got Shatka next week. Then we've got Parma. Then we've got Real. Then we've got Atalanta. Then we've got Torino. Then we've got Real Madrid again. So it, it, it's, it's non-stop. And Inter, as we know, they, 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 when they lose... They tend to continue, and they continue, and it's a mentality thing. And we saw that the we saw that was non-existent last season when Conte was in charge. When we lost against Juventus, we continued. When we lost against Barcelona, we continued, and that's how it is. But now you've got the added weight of the pressure of the league, as well as the pressure of management, as well as the pressure of losing that final last season, and. The biggest worry on the park for me is Romelu Lukaku because he scored that own goal in that final last season. That's still going to be playing on his mind. And this is the same calibre sport we are talking about. This is the same calibre of competition and the pressure is high, especially with the likes of our Serie A, um, fellow Serie A teams breathing down our neck in the league. If we assert our dominance in Europe, it sends a message out to the league. It sends a message out to Milan. It sends a message out to Juventus to show, and part of my French, we are not fucking around. So mm. three points, or let's see if we can win the Europa League final. That's how I'm looking at it. it, it Bruno it, wants it, wins, bro. Bruno no, wants it, results, cuz he's over it. You need you need to set the right mentality. We have chased our Champions League fate for the last two years. We cannot yeah. chase it. We need to hold our own Champions League fate in our own hands, and we need to do that with a win in our first game. I like it. I like it, to be honest. Mo, how are you feeling going into Much and Gladbach, brother? I... I'm I'm very skeptical about the, this game as as much like same as Bruno because historically we're not we didn't do that good and also after a defeat I know that the players will have the 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 weight of bouncing back is that word that everybody talks about in the media you gotta bounce back from the from the defeat and I think that Conte needs to separate the league from Champions League Champions League is a different animal financially in the media everywhere. This is this is a big task for the guys. This is very big for the management and the coaching staff to separate to, to put these guys in a mental state that hey, this is a new competition. We are it's still nil nil here. We haven't lost a game. Let's start from the beginning and let's let's go for this. Let's start to get out of the group stage. Uh, it's going to be very hard if we if we lose and be, because of what what the guys said, the fixtures coming are are, are actually harder. Uh, Shakhtar is not going to be a walk in the park like the Europa League because we're playing on on their uh, ground, which is pretty hard historically. Um, he's going to have players back. No no excuses now, right? Like Alexis did not play as much in the derby. You have him for 90 minutes. Put him in. Show us yes. that this is Alexis. Put, put him in. Show us. Oh, you, you fought for Alexis. I think Conti at the end of the last season, he said we're very happy to sign Alexis permanently. Correct? Show us. Why you wanted Alexis Sanchez? Uh, show us so, why you... Sanchez was coming back with an injury too. I think that was also the reason why he played just five minutes in the derby. Hmm. Oh, that's that's good to know. Uh, uh, do we know if he recovered or not? Uh, 
Yeah, so he, he took a knock in his match um, for Chile, but it was more like an exterior muscle knock, like a bruise or a cork. So there was no internal damage, but it's just when you rush that sort of injury back, it can aggravate certain muscle tissue. So that's why it was cautious. But in terms of recovery, he should be at about 90% now. There should be no excuse. And the fact that he came on at the end of the derby means that he is match fit, match ready now. So I actually do expect him to start because I agree with what you said before, Mo. The idea of an injury to Romelu Lukaku, mate, we have been spoiled. I don't think any fan has even entertained the idea of that yet. So, yeah, go on, man. Yeah, it's uh, also the midfield. We got to have the, the ship, the ship right. They have... Uh, Gladbach have very two creative players, Christopher Kramer and Lars Stindl. Both of them are not a speedy guys, but they are very technical players in the midfield. Uh, I think we need to play the, the guys that know how to stop the attack coming back. These guys can play one pass and boom, they are behind the defense. The forwards, Mbolo, Turam are quick guys. We don't want to face another Rafael Liao on D'Ambrosio because, as you said, Skriniar might not be back and most likely he's not going to be back. But we're going to have Bastoni. It's, I love this guy. This guy is the future for our team in the defense. Uh, I hope that Ashraf Hakimi can recover from uh, all these minutes that he played in the last uh, two weeks. Uh, the guy is young, yes, but I'm afraid of an injury for Ashraf Hakimi. I'm, I'm really scared of injuries because we... What, uh, about the depth, we have very different levels when it comes to depth. Like on the right side, there's a massive difference between playing Ashraf Hakimi and Danilo D'Ambrosio. Offensively yeah. and defensively. Yeah. Too different. Exactly. Ashley Young was transformed to a fullback years ago in Manchester United. Ashley Young, offensively, is okay. But defensively, I think he's way better than Persic. Ahead of Persic, miles ahead of Persic. Perisic in the, in the national team, the forward defense for him, he doesn't come back that often. In Bayern Munich, we saw that, that he didn't come back that often. So this is why his defensive side is not good. So our depth doesn't give us the same criteria of a player. It gives us a different player completely. And everybody around that player has to adapt to the new one playing. Uh, and this is, this is, I see this game as a tricky game, but as I said, I'm hopeful. And I think... Enter when they put their foot on the gas from the beginning of the game and they press and they play the football that Conti wants from the players, we win games. Like what we did for Shakhtar. This is, this is what we do. We play hard from the beginning. We kill the game. First half, game is over. Done. This is what we should do to, the, to, to teams that are some, supposed to be smaller than us. They're supposed to come to us and defend against us. They should adapt to us, as I said before. Yeah, well said, man. Look, I'm a little conscious of time for this podcast. Initially, we were going to look at Genoa, but I've decided to change my mind. But I am going to give the boys one more chance to um, voice their opinions on today's episode. First of all, uh, Bruno, can you really quickly just give a prediction for Much and Gladbach? Yeah, look, I can see us going in with a different mentality. I can see us walking away with the three points, especially considering this is our home fixture. We really need to get this over the line. Um, so I'm saying 2-1, 2-0, something along those lines. More preferably, I could say it being a 2-0. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty confident. Ale, what do you think? What's your quick prediction? I hope for a 2-1, uh, but I say 2-2. Two, two. Mo? All right, Mo, you? I'm thinking 3-1. We, we haven't kept a clean sheet this season yet. And yeah, I, don't nice think the, I don't think this game is going to be the start, in my opinion. Especially with Skriniar not back. Yeah, I would have to agree. I definitely see us leaking one goal. I'm going to go for 2-1. Um, I really hope we do get the three points. That's not all, though. I do want to speak about one more thing. Samir Handanovic is, um, you know, he's been one of, he's been our decorated captain through the dark times and whatnot. It's always a constant debate between the Inter fans whether or not, you know, uh, he's starting to show his signs of is he still good enough to start and whatnot. He saved another penalty on the weekend. Granted, it wasn't the best penalty from Zlatan, but... You know, he's still showing that he's a top-level Serie A keeper. 
Um, in a really quick 30 seconds or a minute, Bruno, are you still on the replace Samir Handanovic wagon this season or are you happy to see the whole season out with him starting and Radu as the backup? Or would you be replacing him at the end of this season? Sorry. If we choose to replace him this season, it means we are no longer competing. We are no longer, we are no longer trying to win the Scudetto or trying to win the Champions League or trying to win the Coppa Italia. It's like taking a seasoned driver out of a Ferrari and chucking in a child who's only driven a go-kart. He is our captain. He is our leader. He is our voice. And, albeit, he has done a great job for us. And yep. I cannot see him leaving this season or the next. Ale, what do you Fair think? enough. Uh, I agree with you, but I also think that next season is time to change. I mean, you, you cannot at this point change captain and goalkeeper mid-season, but it would be nice to have uh, a solid plan for the future because if we do something like Juventus did between Buffon and Szczesny, where, where they had Szczesny on the bench initially, and then at the end of the season, Szczesny was the... Uh, in the starting 11 and Buffon was on the bench, if we're able to do something like that, that's that's perfect. Uh, if we yeah. have to start over from scratch in the season, meaning Andanovic plays this season, in the summer we buy a, a new goalkeeper, any star in the, in the starting 11 next season, that's that's not so good. We need something that can easy in the in Andanovic shoes or gloves in this case. Nice one. That's and Mo, your opinion, your quick opinion on Handanovic. Where do you stand on him, mate? I, I think it's a transition. We need and if Rado is the transition, if the club is planning to have Rado as the replacement for Handanovic, he needs to get some games. It's the same as what we did with Toldo and uh, Julio Cesar back in the yeah. days. But if he's not, the club needs to have the finance to go and buy the 50, 60 million dollar goalie. This is it. You cannot get a 20 million dollar goalie next season and tell him, hey, you're the starter for Inter Milan. That's not going to happen. It cannot happen. It's either a transition now or big money in the summer. Yeah, fair enough. I hate how much goalkeepers cost these days, man. It's like a cardinal sin in the sport to me. Just look at Kepa Arizabalaga for um, Chelsea. It's an absolute horror show at the moment, but we'll see what happens there. Guys, we have crammed a lot into the 52 minutes that we have been talking, so I just want to thank all my guests and thank you all for listening as well. Bruno, thanks for coming on Into Worldwide again today. We will no doubt speak soon. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. Forza Inter. Forza Inter. Uh, Alessandro, all the way from San Francisco, thanks for putting in the late shift once again, mate. Oh, no problem. Thank you, guys. Anytime. And Mo, thank you for your debut on Inter Worldwide, and we'll be definitely hearing more of you again soon, mate. Thank you so much for your awesome and valued opinions. Thank you, guys, for having me. It was always a pleasure to talk to Inter fans. <laughs> Absolutely, man. And from all of us here at Inter Worldwide, Forza Inter. Ciao, ragazzi.